when I say something is flat out wrong, right? Sometimes it doesn't have to be you that's flat out wrong. It could be the person who's approaching things that's flat out wrong. So an example would be a person's behavior, a person's approach to you. You realize that how they're going about it, the way they're talking to you is a bit aggressive, a bit rude, a bit disrespectful. But everybody has an understanding to some degree that you know they're operating with the wrong type of spirit and something i usually tell people all the time is that if you see somebody that's extremely aggressive that doesn't give you a reason to be extremely aggressive as well what you have to do is recognize that they're being aggressive and then you have to respond the opposite way because two people doing something wrong just creates more chaos and you don't want that so if you see somebody that should know better and doesn't do better that's not an excuse for you to participate in their stupidity or their ignorance. But instead, what you do is you recognize what they're doing and you respond in the opposite direction and only hope that after they've had time to reflect, they can adjust. Welcome, everyone. This is The Truth. Other Matter is episode number 16. I hope all is well, and we welcome you all to a space where you can sit back, listen, learn, and look to apply. Jonathan, my good friend, my brother, how are you? I'm feeling pretty good. You know, there's nothing like a new day where you can look to be better and actually do better. Yesterday is behind us, and we cannot change anything that has already happened yesterday or the day before. We can only control what we can do today can we also control ourselves on the line of scrimmage to not jump off sides well we're i really feel bad game winning field goal what happened okay can we do that yeah we sure can especially when you practice that you know you see you you've been on a football team before right quite a few of them what will coach have you doing if you did something like that? Well, it depends. One thing we can say is that that's not the only reason why they lost. There was a drop pass in the end zone, and it was missed opportunities. So I wouldn't be so upset with that. You know, it's a team game. And because it's a team game, you have to realize that even though it can appear that that one play caused them to lose, you have to look at the totality of the rest of the game, and the rest of the game tells you that there were mistakes made by multiple players, not just him. So, you know, that's football, you know. There's you still understand 50, it. Yeah, there's 53 men on the roster, and that comes along with the process of realizing that you want things to play out a certain way, but sometimes it just doesn't. So, See, because you're better than me, because... He would have been one of the 53 men on the roster not playing next week. And he would have been running laps all week. But that's just... Understood. You, you know, I don't know if I could accept that. I don't know if I could forgive that in my heart. But mm-hmm. I guess that's why you well, have other people on the coaching staff. Yeah, well, you got to just be accepting sometimes. Because, again, there's 50, 53 men on that roster. and You can't be upset with that. 
But well, let's get be. started. Let's but, get started because wow, you you're rushing me today. That's, that's new. Well, well, there was a complaint <laughs> made to me that this is not about football. Even oh. though we're on Football Sunday, this podcast is about you know helping people elevate and learn about the Bible. So I don't want to turn this into a football segment every Sunday. There was a complaint made to me. I appreciate what they told me. So I don't want that to happen. There are women Very that well. listen to this podcast as well. And one well, of them are not fans of sports. So gotcha, we got to move on. Gotcha. All right. We won't talk about the game every Sunday. I promise. Yeah, so okay. prayer time then? Yes. Heavenly Father, the one true loving and living God, we come to you humbly and openly today. We just want to thank you for all you've done and all that you continue to do. We give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. Lord, we ask for guidance and direction today. We ask that you provide a way for us to be better and to know your word. Let us know that the details matter because once we have comprehended those details, then we can understand the big picture. Open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today, So today we are going to be in the book of Luke again. And we are going to unpack chapter 5 with some mention of the other three Gospels and obviously some supportive text in the Bible. Today what I want everyone to understand is that God is the ultimate and supreme authority. What I mean by that is that God has the power to settle matters at will in the end. And you could basically call that the final verdict or the judge in this matter or in every matter. Hmm. There's a movie called The Great Debater starring Denzel Washington, and he has this, his debaters repeat this line continuously. And I think it's proper here. Daniel, do you actually remember the line he used to say? Who's the judge? God is the judge. Why? Because he decides who wins and loses, not my opponent. Who's your opponent? He doesn't exist. Why doesn't he exist? Because he's merely a descendant voice to the truth that I speak. Then he starts it again while they're sitting on the boat. While he's sitting on the boat and they're standing in like the bush. I remember that scene very well. Wow, you actually remember. You know, I, I thought I might have been able to catch you slipping for some reason. But I guess I'm, I'm wrong. Because you actually not remember. Today. No, not today. It is an iconic scene, you know. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, we are going to live in the book of Luke today. And I want to show you what. The power of ultimate and supreme authority looks like. Now, normally I would break down a portion of a chapter, but the majority of this chapter needs to be unpacked so that we can see what's going on. So, Daniel, would you would you mind reading Luke chapter five, verse one to eleven? And right after, I want you to read Luke chapter five, verses seventeen to twenty six, please. Wow. Okay. Let's uh let's get into it. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Jesuri, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to pull out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. 
Simon answered. Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. Cool. Now read Luke five seventeen through 26. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd. Right in front of Jesus, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. So there's five things to pay attention to in the first story that I asked you to read. One, Simon, who later is named Peter, is obedient. He is obedient. He says, because you say so, when you are humbled and you obey, you find out the little things. So, you know, looking at some real life experiences, the way you might be going about something has left you at a dead end, right? That is when you go and you seek advice or counsel. Someone may have a better idea of how to do something. So, Daniel, has there ever been a time you can think of that you were doing something flat out wrong and you had to stop and get help? Then you had a better outcome in the end? Um, I've had a lot of situations like that working at the job, just in general, not knowing how to perform a specific task. Okay. Trying to, um, one of the challenges, too, because I was dealing with data entry is trying to get all the inputs right at first and when you don't write things down or you're attempting to learn all the inputs 
it could be extremely hard just to remember how to do certain ones because there's so many of them. So most of the time I end up just usually having to ask for instruction. And then I was able to start processing more things a lot quicker. So that's the first thing that always came to my mind with that. Okay, any personal, you know, stories outside of the work? Just doing something flat out wrong? Yeah. Nah, most of the things where I'm just thinking about doing things that are flat out wrong are usually like in work or school. Work or school. Okay. I, I accept that. So, the second thing that Simon has to recognize is that in his situation and circumstance, he had no success. In his situation and circumstance, he had no success, right? He spoke to Jesus and said, we worked hard all night and haven't called anything. What I found to be amazing is instead of continuing to do it his way, he decides to be open to any new suggestions. He was Speaking willing of, to try it another way. What happened? Have you any experiences like that? Can you just felt yeah, like you time. were doing something flat out wrong? Yeah, all the time. Like what? I would say a lot of things in relation to my car where, you know, it has to do with pumping the gas, right? So at one point, what I used to do is I used to let the car run when I was pumping the gas. That's just doing something flat out wrong. I saw nothing wrong with it, but it was wrong in the sense that when you're pumping gas, you sort of want the car turned off. So I had to make that adjustment, and I realized that, you know, over looking at other people at the gas station who also were pulling up, no one was leaving their car on. So. Mm. Probably in the long run, that could have been doing some sort of, you know, harm to my car. I probably didn't realize it then. When I think about how I might be cooking something, I could be approaching it the wrong way. And then my mom will have to come in and be like, no, you're going about the wrong way. Right? So one of the things that I used to do is I used to have the stove on pretty high. And I realized that cooking certain things that have a sensitivity that needs to be more delicate, I realized that you have to turn the stove on low. So one of the things is like that is bacon, for an example. You don't throw the stove on high when you're cooking bacon. That's something that takes a little bit longer. Okay. Same thing with how you can destroy your pots. You know, we were having a lot of fun last week about pots and cleaning and stuff. And I realized that when you leave certain pots on too high, you damage the outside of the pot and that (laughs) requires you to go back and have to clean it. So there's little things like that where in that moment, it doesn't seem wrong, but the longevity of the situation tells you that you're doing more harm than good. So that's why... When I was thinking about flat out wrong and like preparation for this, I found it really hard just to say that with um, like a personal story, almost like coming up with something regarding like people. I mean, you can have ways of communicating with someone where they just 
don't like the way you're speaking to them or something, but I don't think that's a necessary flat out wrong because I feel like we do things in a moment where it may seem right to us and then you come to find out that it's flat flat out wrong, but that's based on only after you're told. So I, I don't know. Like I, I felt that was a very hard question, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I, I understand. Here's another thing that comes to mind. When I say something is flat out wrong, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes it doesn't have to be you that's flat out wrong. It could be the person who's approaching things that's flat out wrong. Mm-hmm. So an example would be a person's behavior, a person's approach to you. You realize that how they're going about it, the way they're talking to you is a bit aggressive, a bit rude, a bit disrespectful. But everybody has an understanding to some degree that you know they're operating with the wrong type of spirit. Mm-hmm. And something I usually tell people all the time is that if you see somebody that's extremely aggressive, that doesn't give you a reason to be extremely aggressive as well. What you have to do is recognize that they're being aggressive and then you have to respond the opposite way because two people doing something wrong just creates more chaos and you don't want that. So if you see somebody that should know better and doesn't do better, that's not an excuse for you to participate in their stupidity or their ignorance. But instead, what you do is you recognize what they're doing and you respond in the opposite direction and only hope that after they've had time to reflect, they can adjust or they will come back and apologize. But that's dealing with people who you would expect to be mature and know better. Right. Or at least realize that they're wrong and come back and make amends. And that all has to do with the maturity of the person that you're dealing with. But if they're not going to do that, then you already know what to expect but over time you just realize even i say this the same thing with our parents some people are raised a certain way and you would hope that they would change but they don't change so does that mean that you can help you can help by just the way that you carry yourself and how you behave and hope that in time that they can use what it is that you're doing as an example because we don't know what some of our parents been through we don't know how they were raised and how it does impact the way that they act. And because of that, you can realize that you know that they should be better, but they aren't better. So what does that mean? Does that mean you hold it over their head? No, that would be going against one of the things about loving person, not keeping records of wrong, not holding it over a person's head. But in time, you hope that with learning and growing with each other that you can say this is how you were raised and this is how you were taught and I see that it's kind of dwindling over to me and you're taking it out on me but if I show you something different you'll realize that I've been going about this for so long you know some people have reached the age of 60 and 50 years old and still they act like kids you know but you have to knowing better it's not an excuse for you to take offense to it, but it's you to try to change the tie and hopefully they change. You know what I mean? I hear your viewpoint. Okay. Let's move forward. So I just want to repeat the second thing because we kind of went on there a little bit longer than I expected. 
So the second thing that Simon has to recognize is his situation and circumstance of no success, right? Because he spoke to Jesus and said that we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. What I found to be amazing is instead of continuing to do it his way, he decided to do it to be open and take the new suggestion. He was willing to try another way. So, you know, I want people to know that when God shows up, we need to be ready to pivot and go in a different direction. If he declares so, if God wants you to try harder or go again, then you should try again and put in more effort. You know, Paul says in the book of Colossians, chapter three, verse 23, he says, whatever you do, whatever your task may be. Work from the soul that is to put in your best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men. So remember that you honor God when you obey the authority figures in your life. We are ultimately serving Christ. So don't look at the job as a form of slavery, but work the job to the best of your ability as if you're working for God. The third thing I want people to realize from the first story is that when God comes to bless you, be prepared because it might be overwhelming. In the text, remember what happened. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. So when it comes to success in whatever you do, it's about how you handle it. That's why it's important to work on and build your character. Because as you rise in success, it's only your character that will keep you and help sustain you. With no character, you have no chance. The fourth thing I want to mention is that when Jesus comes to save you, don't be ashamed of your past. Everyone in the body of Christ has a past. Let me repeat that. Everyone in the body of Christ has a past. No one is perfect. In fact, in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it doesn't matter where you are in life. God loves you and he wants what's best for you. If only those in the church would make those who want to come in the church feel wanted. And, you know, I think that's a huge issue when it comes to church family is that we have people who have been living sinful lives outside of the kingdom. And they come in and as members of the kingdom, we don't make them feel wanted. In fact, we sort of hammer them with the choices they made and make them feel less than. And I think that us as believers, we have to do a better job with those that are coming in and wanting help. And we can't do things to them to make them turn away. Why do you feel that's, you know, I, why do you feel that's so prevalent? Because it's setting a bad example. It's sort of like a person who has let themselves go. What do I mean by that? You know, so we'll use an example of eating and exercising. Some people get to a point in life where they don't want to exercise. They don't want to stay healthy. They don't want to eat right. 
and they start to gain weight. And what happens is, is it gets to a point that is overwhelming where they feel like they have to make a change. So you have those that have continued along the lifestyle of doing what's right, eating right, exercising, they feel good, they feel healthy. And a person comes in and wants to be a participant because they want to change their lifestyle. They realize they've had enough. Maybe they realize they can't fit their clothes anymore. Maybe they realize they get tired of the fact that they have to go up and down the stairs and it's very hard for them to breathe. Maybe they realize that they have a child and they don't want them child they don't want their child to see them like that. So they realize that change is inevitable and that that's the best option that they think that they need to do. So you come inside with the approach to want to do better and you have those who continue along this path of doing this right and want to come in the system. They welcome because they haven't been there or maybe they have. They remind themselves they actually are reminded of how they used to be and how they aren't anymore. And by seeing someone go through that transition because they've been there, they want to be there along with their journey. So what do you do? You go and you support them. You're there for them. You want to help them, right? You want to be there along every step of the way. And to me, that's the way we need to be versus look at this person in here coming in, already judging them, right? Look at this person come in. It's about time they came in here. Look at this person coming in. It's a little too late for that. So we have to do a better job that when we're inviting in people that want to change, you know, have open arms. And there's several stories in the Bible, one of them being the prodigy son, where, you know, his son went out there and squandered his money and his father welcomed with open arms. And, he, you know, he let him know that. This is my son. And he threw a party for him because he realized his son realized that when he went to go eat with the pigs, he said, you know what? My father servants get served better than this. So he looked at himself and said, I can be treated well off even as a servant of my father. And rather than his father pinpointing his mistakes and chastising him. He kind of had a conversation with him and gave him love and affection and welcomed them back. And I feel like as bodies, as members and bodies within the body of Christ, we have to do the same thing. So that's why I say that. Well said. Yeah, so I think as believers, we sometimes forget what Paul says in the book of Corinthians, chapter 6, verse 8 through 11. He says, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brother and sister, or you do not know what wrongdoers do with not inherit the kingdom of, hev of heaven or of God. Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immorality, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God or heaven. And this is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So as I mentioned earlier, everyone that is in the body of Christ has an history. Because if they didn't, then they wouldn't feel the need to be saved. 
And if they don't feel the need to be saved, then why is Christ dying on the cross for our sins if they don't feel convicted somehow, some way, right? So remember, we all have hit our lows in life, done things we may have regretted. But remember what Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when you come to him, he's well aware of your past. But at that moment in time, you're his child and you're seeking to change, repent. You're seeking to have a different outcome. And the second story I asked Daniel to read is about taking a leap of faith. It's because of their faith. The paralyzed man, their friend, was rewarded by being healed. It was his faith that made him whole. So imagine if they didn't operate in faith. And they had excuses when it came to them actually wanting to come, right? One of them could have been like, it's going to be crowded. So we won't ever see Jesus. Man, Jesus is going to be extremely busy. So he won't have time for us. But they took their friends to the roof and lowered them down with belief. Instead, they were bold. And Jesus, being God, knew what they did to get to that point. Faith without works is dead. So think about it. For them to be blessed, they put themselves in that position to receive and achieve. They were looking to receive their blessing, not to achieve a blessing. So they, just like Peter, which was Simon in the text, took a chance. Right? Peter lowered the nets down after he knew that they worked hard all day, hoping something would change. And it did. The men believed with faith that God would heal their friend. So they went anyway, knowing that it was going to be packed. Because remember, at the end of the story, the men that was paralyzed, once he was healed, Jesus said to be quiet about it. And yet the word still spread. So there's important things to remember. And keep in consideration when you read the text. Sometimes a text, one of these texts, all you need is just to think about it. Just a little bit. Just to have an understanding of it. Okay, so Daniel, I want you to read Luke chapter 5, verse 12 through 16, please. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, Don't tell anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. 
just like I jumped the gun there. This is the text that I was referring to about when something happens. He, the man goes, and with overjoy, the word spread. But here's something I want to talk about, right? Leprosy is a contagious disease that affects the skin, the membranes, and nerves, causing discoloration and lumps on the skin. And in several cases, dif disfigurement and deformities. Leprosy is now mainly a confined issue that takes place in, you know, the tropicals of Africa and Asia. So keep in mind what's going on here. Back then, there weren't doctors who have an extensive selection of medicine to heal a person. In fact, the leprosy is almost like today's COVID virus. People are told to stay away because it's contagious. And if people who have suffer you know they suffer it alone but here you have jesus who steps into a situation and exercises the power of ultimate and supreme authority which means he settles that matter at will just like that right so okay let's take a pause here for a second why does god choose to handle things right away like for example, in these situations with the man being lowered on the roof and the ones that we discussed last week and, and even in this case where it's like the man has leprosy. You know, he steps in right away. And then other situations he chooses for it to be a process. Like what's the what's the reasoning behind this? So I believe you're talking about the man who was blind and God took dirt and Jesus took dirt and spit in the dirt and told him to go and wash his eyes and it was a process yeah. right so i'm honest here and i don't know and i'm pretty sure a lot of you might think oh i kind of talk like i know everything well i don't know that's the mystery about god what i can say is when you pray and you ask god to do something he answers the prayer but not in your time frame and sometimes him not answering is for your benefit so when I what I can say is when you pray and you ask God to do something, right? Remember, time is a man-made construct. God lives in eternity. So part of exercising faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. So you have to believe that God addresses your concerns. Now it may be in your it may not be in your timing, but you best believe God has addressed it. Let's be honest. No one loves waiting. In fact, it feels good to get what you want right away. But when our expectations are delayed for a long time, we can experience disappointment, delusionment, a loss of hope. In some cases, prolonged waiting for what we eagerly desire can become such an, afflicting, an affliction to us. Which is why the only way to communicate with God and reach him is through your faith. Because faith in him is the only way he communicates with us. There's no other way. And that's by design. Without faith, in the book of Hebrews says, it is impossible to please him. Mm. Now, when God blesses you, there's an overwhelming joy that blows up within. That makes you want to tell everyone. And that's the freedom effect. When the sun 
Jesus sets you free in the book of Romans. It says that you are truly free indeed. Now, at the end of verse 16, there's an important message to consider. And it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Earlier, I mentioned high character is very important because it sustains you. Jesus, after all the healing he was doing, took breaks and relaxed to maintain humbleness and calmness. A lesson for us is when you achieve things that are big, make sure you give glory to God. Thank him because he has played a big part of why you are successful. You may have worked hard, but the open door that you have and the opportunity that you get is from God. The fame and fortune, don't let it go to your head. Remain approachable and like God. And let God guide you so that you can help yourself. And in fact, he will help manage you. Keep in contact with God. Don't drift away. Don't let your eyes drift away. Don't let your eyes depart from the word. But always remain in constant communication with him. So that's what I want you to get out of the reason. For Jesus drifted. It's because he didn't let what he was accomplishing go into his head. But instead, he acknowledged that in the end, if he was going to continue to achieve what he was achieving, it would be in relationship with God. You know, one text comes to mind is in the Gospel of John where Jesus says that we are, that he is divine and we are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And God is the gardener. So as long as we are attached to Jesus, we can be fruitful. We can accomplish things. Because he is the ultimate reason why we're able to accomplish things. You know, some might not believe that, but I wholeheartedly believe that. That when I stay in lockstep with God, he can direct me. He can help me avoid things he can help me shift away from trouble and issues so that is the reason why it's important that we stay close and we stay in constant contact with god because when we think that we can do things on our own that's when we run into some issues so dan would you read the book of luke chapter 5 verse 27 through 31 after this jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of levi sitting at his tax booth Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their saints complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered him, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Good job, Daniel. See, here you have Jesus breaking the rules, bringing people together who normally don't sit together. Sort of reminds me of high school, somewhat middle school and college. 
Everyone went and sat down at the table they felt comfortable sitting with. The people that are there. Instead, Jesus was brought down here. In some instances, to help people grow apart. And in some instances, to bring them together. He was changing things. He also made another good point, and that was he came to help those who need help. So for those who didn't do well because of the issues they were dealing with in their personal life, he came to change that. That's why he said, I have come. He said to call the righteous, but for sinners to repent. As we stated before on the podcast, repentance isn't just asking for forgiveness. It's also to bring it to attention that you need to change your behavior. Right. So here what Jesus was doing was. He was letting them know, like for those who are doing what's right. That's fine and good and well, but for those who are struggling. That's something that he came to address. He came to help those who feel that upon their struggle, there isn't a way. So he made a way when there was no way. Right. And. You know, I think that the Pharisees at the time didn't quite understand it, but I think in time, eventually after his death and resurrection, they will. So, now for me to conclude. The way that God shows us the power of ultimate and supreme authority is the way in which he makes a way. Right. He's a way maker. And the reason why I say that is if you look at the first story, there was a point in which. They couldn't catch any fish, but when Jesus stepped in the boat, he provided a way so that they could catch fish when the man had leprosy and he didn't think he would be well. Jesus provided a way where he will be well. I said that he's a healer and a deliverer. Right. That's something we can get out of that. He healed the guy who had leprosy. He delivered Peter the opportunity to have fish. When I look at what Jesus did, he was a rule breaker. He disturbed what was the status quo where you had different people that stayed with their groups because they felt more comfortable. But when Jesus came. He brought tax collectors and sinners together. So Jesus was disturbing how things were at the time to ultimately change things. So when you have someone that shows power and ultimate supreme authority, you get an opportunity to see what that looks like. And even though Jesus came to do a lot of good things for believers, he also came to ruin the, you know, the traditional aspects of culture and to show them that, hey, there's a better way to go about things. So what God did through life and the person of Jesus Christ was to show that he cared. And if he needed to overstep cultural traditions for the betterment of humankind, he was willing to do it. Or because he was being the very essence of love and that love was for his own creation. That is my opinion. And I feel like 
that's a powerful thing that we have to continue to see when we read this text. There's multifaceted ways that God is doing things here. So, devotion time. Now that's time for devotion. And I'm going to title this Trust Him More. So I'm going to go to the book of Psalms 56 verses 3 to 4. It says, when I get real afraid, I come to you and trust. I'm proud to praise you, God. Fear less now. I trust in God. What can be merely mortals do? So when we survive in a world of broken promises, you may respond to this by putting up walls, keeping things to yourself, never really believing anyone who says, trust me. God encourages you to trust him. He supplies the air you breathe and the sunshine you enjoy. In fact, he holds everything in his creation together. Colossians 1.17 says, even when your very self, for in him, we live and move and have our being also in the book of acts chapter 17 verse 28 you may still hesitate and say i am not sure i can trust him god is someone more and different than humans he has always kept his promises in the book of numbers chapter 23 verse 19 the more you trust god the more trustworthy you find him the more you trust his love, the less fearful you become. The more you trust in the Lord, the less hard life appears. When it's hard to trust others, it's the perfect time to trust God. So we end like this. Dear Father, I usually can't see you at work, but I know you care for me. Protect me. Provide my needs. Help me to trust you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.